Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 42 of the Galen Trombley Show, I have Sandy Geddes on. She is a community relations coordinator at Meadowbrook. I met Sandy earlier this year, um, and she is a very positive, fun uh, person that every time I talk to her, I, I just love her enthusiasm and her gift of gab, which is perfect for a podcast. Uh, we talked a lot about kind of her background getting here and her career. Uh, we also talked about you know, her involvement with the Rotary and a lot of fundraising efforts that she's doing. And we also talk about our advice to 20-year-olds out there. Uh, this was actually a very fun episode. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 42 of the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 42 of the Galen Trombley Show. Today, my guest is Sandy Geddes. Uh, Sandy is the Community Relations Coordinator at Meadowbrook. Um, we're going to talk about that, and I met Sandy uh, not too long ago, probably uh, within the year, I would say, mm-hmm. um, but I've talked to you a few times, and I find you interesting and, and very... Uh, I like people that can talk well, and you can talk well. So, oh, actually, Sandy, welcome to welcome to the yeah, show. Yeah, I talk a lot. Yes, and actually, you know how you I met you is because one of my dear friends said you were like the best realtor ever. So, is that's, that a good plug good. for you? Is that good? That's, that's good. I, I like your friends. <laughs> um, um, so, th- no, this this is good. We're actually in back to back. I think you know her, but Christy Kennedy was my last guest. I love Christy. And Kennedy. You, you and Christy. I wish actually I wish you were both here because I think that'd be fun because you guys are you seem very similar in, in a lot of respects. So. Um, Sandy, for people that do not know you, give us a little brief background on how you came to be 2019 Sandy Geddes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Jesus. Okay. So long story, very short, and you can ask me to elaborate on any of this. Uh, I moved to Plattsburgh in 99 in 1999. <clears throat> so obviously not 2099, but I'm you just showing 10, my age. Right? I was 10. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was 10. <laughs> uh, I didn't hear it to go to college at age 10 or uh, age 18. And then I uh, love uh, SUNY Plattsburgh first and foremost. I had a wonderful education there. I was an English major and um, I met my... Um, children's father at uh, at SUNY Plattsburgh and he was in a fraternity and then we got married soon after college. I went to grad school at SUNY Plattsburgh and then we got married. We had two beautiful children and I stayed in the area and I had a long stint um, professionally at CVPH. I was a manager of community outreach there for eight years. What a wonderful experience that was. And then from that, I have held a lot of positions in the city and the community that have made it so that I know so many people, and it's such a blessing. So one other position I had that I'm most well-known for, I would say, in this community is as the community events and marketing coordinator for the city of Plattsburgh, and I did that for three years. And um, then that and all my other experience has really paved the way to the best job I have ever had and the last job I'll ever have as long as it's up to me which is at Meadowbrook uh, Healthcare, which is a skilled nursing facility and rehabilitation facility. Um, 
and I've been there almost a year and it has been just one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I can elaborate on that, but really essentially it has changed my life forever. Oh, that's awesome. And and so you came to Plattsburgh State. The funny thing is, I think after looking at all that, you were an English major and did community outreach. So how did you get into, I mean, you went from community outreach to the city, which was very kind of similar. And then Meadowbrook, it sounds, they're all pretty much the same. It's getting involved in the community and spreading awareness and and all that good stuff. So how did you go from English major into a community outreach or community person or relations coordinator can i ask you a question really yes quick? what was your major in college it was not real estate was what was We're, that uh global supply chain management interesting okay yes. so <laughs> kind of a really great segue it's like so english major i wasn't an education i was just english because you know what i really like to do i really like to write and i really like to read and i really liked um i don't know i can't remember what i said you know what I really liked is Jane Austen. I, as much, even the though author, I'm... The author, right? Yeah. She's, uh, it's classics, uh, classic romance. And I was just arguing with an English professor that's my friend's dad. Um, he's an English professor at SUNY Plattsburgh. And he was like, that's not, that's not literature. That's just the same formula over and over. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I love it. And I love, so I love, even though I'm a divorced single woman, I really love romance and romance stories. And so that's why I really gravitated towards English. But then when I graduated with my undergrad degree as an English major, like, I mean, what do you do? Like, what did you do with global supply? What was it? Global supply chain management. And I can all elaborate on that also. Okay. <laughs> Well, I didn't know. You can keep going, yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. So I went back to school. I went to get my master's degree at SUNY Plattsburgh in administration, which was a very, like, no offense, but it's kind of a chintzy degree, but it gave me a master's degree. And then that was what, actually, right out of college, I started working at Planned Parenthood as an administrative service coordinator and then was given the job. And I it was the funniest thing. So right out of college, I got the job as administrative service coordinator at Planned Parenthood and I was getting paid like, so this is in like 2003, 2002. And I was getting paid like $25,000 a year. Right. And then I got, this is funny. So I got the job at CVPH as actually as a manager of volunteer services initially. And then it trend, it changed. And they called me up and they're like, we want to offer you this position, manager of volunteer services. And I'm like, oh, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. And blah, blah, blah. And they're like, "Is we want to pay you a salary of $45,000 a year. And I was 25 at the time, 24, 25. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm rich. I was going to say, you didn't say, well, my last job paid me 60. <laughs> play, no. Play that game? No. No, I did not. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm making $25,000 a year. So they paid me $45,000 a year. And I remember going through the whole building, which wasn't big. It was on Brinker, it's on Brinkerhoff Street. And I was telling all my coworkers, I'm like, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And like a year later, I'm like, I'm so poor, <laughs> you know, because it happened so fast. Like we bought a house. Me and my husband had bought a house. We had kids. Oh, yeah. All the things. And you find a way to fill, to take, or whatever you're coming in, you find a way to spend it somehow. You do. Yeah. You do. And it was a struggle, but um, that was basically... When I got the manager of volunteer services, they actually just asked for a bachelor's degree and some sort of experience, and I had had some. And then I stayed there, and then they did some layoffs, and my job got changed so that it was manager of community outreach, where I then got to do the um, job of organizing all of the foundation of CVPH's big events. Have you ever been to their gala? Um, I was invited to go this year by like 
three different people, and oh, I sure. actually had uh, probably next year we'll do a table. I think you can buy tables, right? Yeah, you buy tables. It's, it's you, an event you can't miss. Yeah, well, I wanted to go to it, and I, I had I, there was a family event I had, and I just I wasn't going to miss that, so I ended up. Um, I, it was like a Saturday night, and I usually try to reserve weekends for family, so I basically didn't go. To yeah. the gala, I went to the family thing. So, oh, of course. But I, w- I would, I would like to go um, if it coordinates with my schedule and I can plan for it. But yeah. it was kind of last minute. It was semi last minute, and I we, the event we had planned was like kind of it was set, it was set a few weeks or probably a month or two in advance, so I didn't go. It's a great event for so I go to it. I I've been asked to be at tables, but I often opt because since I work there so long, I have really good friends that work for the foundation. They ask if I'll volunteer and I'll do a check-in because when you know so many people, it makes it easier and they have this really fancy check-in process. Like we'll take, so you come up to me when you come up next year and I'm going to be there volunteering. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're going to come up and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, Galen, so nice to see you. Welcome to the CVPH Gala, la la la. And I'm going to like schmooze and be like, how's the, sh- how's the real estate biz? And I'll meet all the things. And then I'll say to you, you know, you have a real good opportunity here right now, Galen, where if you give me your credit card, I can swipe it. And then when you see all the amazing things that we have for you at this auction, it's going to be ready for you at checkout and you don't even have to wait in line. And do you know how many people give me their credit cards? I would give you my credit card. I see. I'm saying. I, that's it. You I'm just saying, you just brought me did. into that. It's because well, she butters you right you up. Don't and then, buy anything. It's easy checkout. You don't have to wait in line. So that's what that's I do. Convenience. I'm in. I know. I'm so in. they have me come back every year. Because <laughs> I'm good at getting everybody's money. You're, you're, you might be in the wrong industry. Sales might be a good one for you. I know. I, if I did that so many years, you know, I did so much fundraising and F- fundraising. I think is almost harder than sales. A you little think bit. So? I think so because sale typically like sales. The way I look at sales is that if you do it correctly and you're selling something, you want to sell to people that have a need for your product. Yeah. Now, obviously. Homes are, di- I mean, it's, di- I don't own, the weird thing about real estate is I don't own any of the inventory. I don't own the homes. So we're like, we're basically consultants in the process. Yeah. So, but everybody needs a home. Like you need a place. So it's, it's something that, now not everybody needs to buy, like if I was a, a mic salesman for podcasts, not everybody has a podcast. Like if you don't have a podcast, why would you come buy a mic from me? So for you, like the, like the idea is that, from a sales perspective, if somebody needs your product, you can sell them because there's usually a want for that. On a fundraising perspective, you're tapping into a totally different um, level, meaning one, fundraising has to be a lot of times um, extra income because some people just – I mean I, I've, I've run into this as we've gotten – I mean, luckily we've become more known, but as you become more known, more people hit you up for um, fundraising and things, which is part of it, which is a good. Yeah. Remember I hit you up. Yeah. And every, I hit you yeah, up. And, and to be honest, I wish I could have stroke a check right there Absolutely. and given it to you. But I, the, the problem is we're always, I'm always at a position. I would love to give as much as I can. I, I obviously have to be realistic and, and budget because I kind of budget for what we can and can't give. And also I look at how much can we give or if it's a smaller donation here and one's bigger, but it's, and most people are like that, so a lot of the companies, but when you're doing a fundraiser, it's so easy for people to be like, oh, man, I just don't want to give them 100 bucks. Like, I, I want to, and for, so for you, it might not be, sometimes they may want to do it, sometimes they might just do it out of, I know, and I, I'll be tro- totally transparent, there's times people want me to donate to something and I have really no clue what it's for, or it's an organization that I I've, I've maybe have heard about, but I don't have any real connection to it, or really like if you weren't to ask me, I would not donate to it. Not from a 
bad perspective, but it's not top of mind for me. So a lot of times I donate based on the person that asked me. Yeah. Like if you were to ask me, I'm like, oh man, I really like Sandy and here's something that she really finds, you know, she's working towards, but obviously she has some type of connection or affiliation with it. I want to not let her down, but I got to be realistic. So like that, so for you, I just know for me coming from a perspective, it's harder. So you have, like, I think as a, like you're selling the you fundraising aspect. Well, not, not, but I mean, I think you're pr- the product or the thing you're trying to sell which is a fundraiser sometimes can be harder to get people to buy because if you were to try to sell me something i really want it's easier or something i really need i don't i don't need to give to a fundraiser you know what i mean like i I don't absolutely understand so yeah so what it is i think you almost have that extra layer of you have to there's probably a little bit of persuasion there's a little bit of um timing there's a little bit of okay well if you can't do this here you can do this option like i had um last week i had two different fundraisers that both hit me up for sponsorships and I was flat out with one of them I said literally I won't put I know I won't give enough time to do what you want me to do and I I I donated to the cause but I said I can't do the next step up and actually help you out because I just know my time I won't be able to I don't want to sign up and not do anything like I just think that's kind of bad too so what's your perspective on being a kind of a salesperson for fundraising? I don't want to call it like a salesperson, but you're you're raising money or a fundraiser, but it's the same thing. You're going to people trying to get something from somebody. Yep. So what's your experience with that? So now I have the wonderful um, opportunity that I don't actually do fundraising for Meadowbrook. I, my job is really just about promoting um, what we do, and it's easy for me to do that. Like, I will do anything for my employer. But one of the other great things about my job, and I'll tell you about when I was with the city, is that I get to pick and choose with my boss's consent. Um, what we give our money to and what I spend my time doing. And I get the opportunity also to, during work hours, give to these organizations. So I carefully chose these different places. So the one I hit you up about was the Clinton Community College Foundation. Clinton Community College is not only so insanely important to Meadowbrook as a way for us to get qualified RNs, but it's also an amazing, amazing educational institution and I sit on their foundation board and so I hit you up for their golf tournament Mm -hmm. and I know the golf tournament that I was raising money for helping them to find a sponsor for they were missing one sponsor and that's not my job but my friend Meg it it, that's her job and she was like I'm freaking out I can't find a sponsor and I'm like you know what let's try uh Mm -hmm. I'll let me give it a go and I contacted you and you're like it's just really not the time and you're not the only one that said that to me yeah and I landed on somebody that did say yes and the reason it's easy for me to keep plugging away is because I know that money goes to a scholarship that's going to help a student that's going to be able to help them grow in their career in our community then I have United Way I just had orientation for that I'm going to be on their campaign um committee oops sorry (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I talk with my hands That's right. um, and their campaign committee. And I feel very passionate about all the money that they raise because I know it goes like, I know there's been times in my life where I have tried, I've struggled financially mm-hmm. and this is what they do. They help people in our community, in the region that we live in with anything that they need. It's amazing. Um, so I get to really decide what I want to spend my time doing. And ironically, one of those things is the city of Plattsburgh. So the city of Plattsburgh was my employer for three years and every moment of that time was amazing for me until the end. And really what the story was there is that politics are 
on even a local level, just kind of icky. You know, they're icky. And um, I'd worked, I'd started there in 2015. And we had Mayor Jim Kelnon at the time. And everything was really great. There was a really wonderful team we had. There was a lot of joy in, in City Hall. And I, that's when I met our mutual friend, Paul De Dominicus, who, was then my, who became my supervisor. And then we became very good friends and colleagues, and things were just booming. Paul got $10 million downtown revitalization grant from New York State. And I just remember standing in the audience at the Strand Theater watching us. We received this big announcement, and it was just one of the most joyful days of, of my career. And I'm, I'm assuming so for Paul as well. And then, you know, but my, the one we had when Jim Kalan wasn't reelected, things changed very drastically. And the new administration said that um, our finances were just terrible in the city. So this was really a, a weird transition because things were so vibrant and then, whoops, nope, we have no money. And so their administration had cut a lot of positions and I had fellow colleagues such as Kevin Farrington, city engineer for, oh man, I'm going to get it wrong, but more than 10 years who has landed great. Um, but he was, a, his position was abolished. And then our, and Steve Peters, who was the superintendent of parks and recreation, his position was eliminated, both two incredibly talented individuals I had the opportunity to work with. And then um, one Sunday evening, I got an email from administration saying that my position was on the chopping block and I was the events and marketing coordinator. And I did a lot of sponsorship work, but I didn't have to completely fund my budget. So what was what Paul Dinaminicus and I came up with was a plan where in lieu of me even having any events and marketing budget that I would be paid my salary and my benefits, but I would have to make my own events budget, which was about eighty dollars to $90,000 so that the city could continue to have 4th of July, Mayor's Cup, Battle of Plattsburgh. We had a holiday parade established at that time um, when I came in, and then we also had an Irish festival and several miscellaneous other things. And... So we presented this to the council, the city council, and they said, okay, if you can raise your own budget, then we'll keep your position full time with benefits. And so I did it. And when you say like, how is it to be a salesperson, you know, salesperson like AKA fundraising, what was really weird about it is even though I was really a little resentful that my position wasn't valued, that it was going to be cut. I went to a sponsor. So say you're like a sponsor, right? Mm -hmm. And I go in and I'm like, listen, you have sponsored events for years and you know about what these events do for our, our community. You go to the 4th of July, you go to Battle of Pottsbury, you go to Mayor's Cup, any of them. And you're seeing thousands of people that are enjoying the community that they live in, the events we're offering, and there's music, it's alive, there's talent, and, and, and it's just this wonderful spirit. We did this like wall mural for Fourth of July one year. That's on the side by the is that the wait the, um, by, by the bookstore, the animal one on Trinity Park by Trinity Park. Is is that the one right next to the ice, the Italian ice little stand there? Is no, it on that side or is no, it farther that's up? a different. That was done during that time too, but no, the oh, one. Oh yes, yes, sorry, Margaret Street and yes, Court. right by yes. Um, Cornerstone Bookstore. Yes. Yep. Okay. And. It was such an amazing moment. We had little ballerinas dancing. It was amazing. All for free, right? 
And um, what I would go in and say to these sponsors, even though I had this negative feeling, I was like, do you want this to continue? Just, is this important to you? Because it's really important to me. And I think that if you can increase what you already do, you are going to be such an important, uh, uh, so important to the vibrancy of our downtown and our community at large, because that's not just Plattsburgh residents. You're not talking about Clinton, Franklin, Essex County. People would come because they don't have, mm-hmm. we're, we're poor. There's poor communities all around. So it was really easy for me to sell it because I really believe in it. And I, and that's how I decide how I know I can do fundraising is because if I really believe in what I'm asking money for, I can't imagine why somebody else wouldn't. And if they tell me no, I'm like, that's okay. You know, I'm like, okay with that. Like, it's not a big deal. Usually it's financial, like you said, financial stress. You don't, your financial like limitations, you can only give to so many things. But it was amazing to see like Northern Insuring increase their sponsorship double. Um, we had Della Honda or Della, they, he was like, it's a no brainer. I'm going to give you $15,000. And that was like with the most glorious day. This yeah. is a great story. It was like I called. It was my final day of having to get. I got eighty thousand dollars for the city events budget, and I called Paul and I said I got fifty thousand dollars. And when I got back, he had a wonderful beer, like a really special stout that I really liked, waiting for me as my celebration gift. And I was. It was just like the most wonderful moments that I can remember. So I won't forget them. You know, I I was sad to leave the city. It was hard. I really was passionate about that job, but. Full circle, now I'm involved with it through my Rotary Club and helping to plan the Battle of Plattsburgh Parade. So it's just funny how things kind of... Are, are, so you're a Rotarian? I'm a Rotarian. So um, so yesterday, Ellen and no. Ed came by. So we have pictures. So I, gotta, oh, I, I, gotta, I think I, I saw for the Rodaki. Oh, did she put it online? I think so. Yes, oh, gotta, she did. She I, did. I, I'll have to check it because she, uh, she said she was going to do that. And uh, yeah, was it called Road Ducky? Road Ducky Derby. So actually, I just threw the brochure in there. Not, not to, Ellen, if you ever listen to this, I put up, it's on my calendar. I just didn't want the brochure cluttering my desk. But um, so I'm going to try to go to it, bring my kids to it. It'll be fun. But um, I, I didn't, didn't really know what it was. And I ran into, I was, oh, I was meeting a friend uh, last weekend, I think, two weekends ago at the Butcher Block. And I was driving, I was kind of doing a little cut through. And I think they had stopped at Prime Link. Yeah. Or was it Prime? Well, wherever it was. It was someplace back in that little area. And it must have been Prime. Like, I saw a picture of them, too. Yeah, and he was walking. The d- <laughs> Ed was walking in a duck costume. Was Ed in the duck costume? I didn't realize yeah. it was Ed in the duck costume. Well, I didn't know. I don't even know who Ed is. I Ed just Kirby. met him. But he's, yeah, super oh, nice guy. Amazing. Yeah, and he was full of energy, and he was there that day. And then I pulled up, and of course, I know Ellen. So I go, <laughs> I go, I basically rolled down the window and said, I don't know what you're doing. And she goes, oh, and of course, Ellen, being the great fundraiser she is, she's goes, goes hey, would you like to do? And I said, well, if I get a picture with the duck, and uh, she goes, we can make that happen. And of course, I think he had pulled the, the thing off at this point because it's hot in that suit. And, and Ed's like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's set up a time. So sure enough, and, and Nicole, who you met, she has access to like, my calendar, so she knows kind of where I am. And I go... On my calendar, I said, get picture with duck. And she was like, what the heck? What is that? And she goes, I saw get picture with duck and I didn't know what it was. And she goes, I didn't realize there was an actual guy coming in a duck costume. I said, yeah. When I, oh, I was man. very, very, very literal when I put picture with the duck. So uh, that was fun. But so tell me about, I want you to tell me about Rotary because this is, I got two good buddies of mine that we, we just talked about and we'll get more into those guys. Um, 
So, well, Ryan, Ryan Lee and Matt Craig, who are yeah, both now Rotarians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if if I had a nickel for every time that Matt Craig talked about Rotary, <laughs> I would be a very rich man. And uh, so, t- tell, tell us about because I also saw pictures of Matt doing a, a presentation in a cutoff shirt and overalls. <laughs> So if you, you if you can tell me about Rotary, because I have a few good friends that are in Rotary, I will tell you my hesitation about Rotary. But I, I want I was you to say, give, why give me are your, you in Rotary? Give, give me your give me your pitch on Rotary, because Matt and Ryan haven't convinced me yet. And this is I'll I'll tell you my my, and maybe it maybe it's not totally valid. But go ahead, tell me about your right, Rot- right. Rotary experience. <clears throat> so Rotary for me, I've actually been in a few clubs here. So I started off in the Noon Kiwanis Club way back in the hospital days when I worked at the hospital. That didn't work for my schedule anymore. So then I joined Sunrise Rotary, which is 7.30 a.m. every Tuesday. And then when I landed at the city, it was a good fit because they actually were one of my biggest sponsors. They gave $7,500 to the city to hold events, and it was the most amazing thing. So why I think Rotary is awesome is not only, you know, I'm a social butterfly. I love knowing all the people. I love to have connections everywhere I go, and but I really love that they're so service-oriented, so focused on doing good for our community, you know, and we're constantly trying to think of, like, Ryan's in charge of the service committee, our service, um, something like where we're going out and fixing, we're building handy, or like building things for people that need them, like handicap accessibility, about clean up, a lot of clean up, different things. I'm probably getting that wrong. Sorry, Ryan. Um, but he, he's very active. He's organizing a golf tournament um, for Rotary. And Matt Matt is really involved. I, Matt and Ryan are great guys. And that's how I got involved, like knew about, they asked me to be on their podcast. And, um, but it's, it's really this like camaraderie. So, and now I'm in different, organizations with um the champlain valley business and professional women's club i'm with ellen and vicky marking on that who's in prime link and in rotary and it's just these great connections and contacts that allow us to grow as professionals but also grow as this like united group of people that are professional in our community so maybe have the ability to do more than others and we are hard workers we're scrappy we meet every single wednesday and every single wednesday people are really passionate about the things that they're doing so we do this battle of plotsburg road ducky derby we do the bed races if you ever seen the bed races no i did i didn't know they did a duck race or bed race well it's i i've, I've like i've never seen this and then all of a sudden she thought i didn't know what the duck was and she explained it to me i'm like wait you put boards up and run water down and the ducks actually go down the pathway and she's like yes i'm like this i'm I want to go. Yeah. Well, the bed races are just as exciting. They get all these college groups to come in and they'll like the hockey team or the basketball team or whatever. They'll, they'll build, they'll have these beds made. We have these beds that people like sponsor and these, these sports teams will push people in their their groups. They'll push them in whoever wins at this bed race. It's really fun and it's exciting. It's right on city hall place right before the parade. It's really fun. They, they actually like push each other and race down the road with them? With the beds, yes. And it's a are, huge fundraiser. Are they just mattresses on wheels? Yeah, pretty much. They're beds on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's really crazy. Like I bought my daughter down, I think, last year. And we were like watching. And my daughter almost got hit with a bed. I was like, get out of the way. It's really fun. But it gets it gets community out yeah, and involved. That's... And then... And Rotarians, like, I don't know, man, like the noon Rotary Club, we are like, 
we are just all in. It's it's great. I love my meetings. I love the speakers we have. I learned so much about our community and about the different professions and about all these different organizations. It's wonderful. So why did Matt do a presentation? Do they, does everybody do a presentation? No. So ironically, um, so Meadowbrook, I had been wanting to have the, everybody come to Meadowbrook. And one of the things about Rotary that's kind of interesting is they don't want to have people come in and speak that are trying to sell their company. Mm-hmm. So if you were to become a member, you wouldn't be able to be able to do a presentation about Kavanaugh Realty. You mm-hmm. would have to figure out some way around that. Like you'd have to figure <laughs> out like what big thing does Kavanaugh Realty do for the community and then promote that. Matt was lucky. <laughs> Matt found the loophole. He, well, he was lucky because <laughs> we had a last minute cancellation and we didn't have another speaker. So he was amazing. So he also, you know what else he does? It's so funny. And he gets, a, he can do it. He, after every meeting, he goes out by his car, his truck, and he sells eggs to all the rotary. <laughs> I buy my eggs from him pretty much. I, bu- I bought eggs today from him. Yeah. We had I, breakfast today and you go, you go bring eggs and uh, it, it's right out of the car. Opens up the door, pulls them right off the floorboard and gives them to you. And you're not supposed to put them in the fridge. No. You're not Which I to. didn't realize because he goes, if they're not, is it not cleaned? or washed or right. something right. um and i told somebody that the other day and they're like really and i said i mean I, I once i get them home i put them in the fridge but matt said you don't even have to do i mean he goes you can but you don't have to right he said he doesn't even wipe the poop off of them <laughs> oh no i looked at them they're dirty <laughs> he's like i don't wipe the poop out of them even when i use them to cook because i'm like all about germs i'm like well, whatever yeah yeah that's I always call Matt. Matt, Matt is like the Zach Galifianakis of the area. Maybe not as maybe not as funny, but he looks like it. He's so Zach Galifianakis. He went um, so he did his presentation. Um, so I don't know what it was. Oh, so he was in getting things loaded up. He was showing pictures, and then all of a sudden his phone rang, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I got to take this," and he leaves. And jo- I don't know if our president Josh Kretzer didn't know. But he was like, okay. Uh, so anyway, does anybody have any jokes to tell? Or blah, blah, blah. And somebody says, somebody said some joke. Or blah, blah. And all of a sudden, Matt comes bursting out of the door wearing <laughs> overalls and I'm fair. Yeah, no shirt. Just overalls, jean overalls, no shirt, and like a hat. And he does this whole thing. We were dying. It was his. <laughs> Erical. And he's oh. great. Like, but you know what? He sold his he he was talking about Open Gate Farmstead and, and it was this great video of him and his wife and it was perfect. It was just so funny. Yeah. And you gotta just like you know, if somebody's willing to pop out of a door oh, he's, wearing he's a nothing treat. but jean overalls and a hat, then you kinda just have to let him sell his thing. I mean I wasn't gonna argue with him. Um do you know how Matt how old Matt is? No. He's younger than he looks. Matt's like 25 or yeah, 26. Yeah, I knew he was a little younger. Because <laughs> I, like, I look at, I always think Matt and me are about the same age, but like I always put them in perspective of when I was like in school. Like I would have graduated, I would have been almost done college by the time I graduated high school. Like we were, I thought we were like the same age. We're not. Well, there's a few great, there's probably three great difference. Are you like 30, you're 27, 28? I'm 29. 29. Matt's like, I think Matt's 25 or just turned 26. Oh man. So he's like, three three and a half years younger than me which it doesn't it doesn't register that he's that young because he looks older because of the beard and the hair and stuff but you know he's character um have you watched his youtube channel no sorry it's Matt. really good the, <laughs> well well it's, it's i should say it's sarah's youtube channel his wife does a lot on it but it's it's actually pretty funny and entertaining and she's for 
not being like trained. She's a pretty good filmmaker. Yeah, I saw their like, video that promoted farms. Yeah, yeah. She, she's good with. Um, she's got a lot of cool techniques that, you know, I've, I watch a lot of. I watch a lot of like different filmmakers and stuff, and I kind of have an appreciation for that art. And she's very good at it. And I think like very, I think I believe self-taught. And no, they're funny. They, they have, they're they, amazing they have a good couple. Ke- they have a good chemistry. They really do. And they, you know, what he told me that's so interesting. And as as a professional, I'm sure you can identify with this. That and I, I can't stop thinking about it. Is that he said he will do whatever social networking he has to do anything to promote his business, promote farm the Open Gate Farm said Monday through Friday. And on Saturday and Sunday, nope. He is staying local. He stays near where they live in Keysville. Keysville, yep. And he um, will not commit to anything, even Rotary, anything on the Saturday or Sunday that's dedicated to the farm and to his wife yeah. and to his family. And, and that's, that's, like, that's true because we've, we've tried to play. I'm similar in that. And like the weekends, I'm really like. Now I, I will every once in a while have an appointment, but I really try like I don't plan anything. Well, it must be hard in real estate. It, it's it's a little difficult, but I, I've I would say in a month I can I, I really don't work a lot on the weekends. Like it might be one appointment, you know, um, here or there. Maybe one weekend a, a uh, one weekday or weekend day a month I might have to work like a morning, meaning like four five hours or something. But it's very not too often. But well, Matt. I mean, I so I try to take it off, and that's my family time too. Matt, Matt won't even go golfing. Like I've gone up before. Like we've teed off. Like me, Ryan, and a couple other good buddies. We'll go off at like six a.m. on a Sunday, so we're back like mid morning to spend time with the family. Matt, not, Matt won't even do that. He's yeah. like, I'm out. And yep. I know he does like a lot with because I know they're working on their house, and and obviously the the farm takes up a lot of time because it's just the two of them working. So. I mean, for him, that's an extra four or five hours a week. He, if he doesn't like drive down, go golfing, drive back, he could save probably four to five hours a weekend, which gives him a half a day to do more work. So, oh, yeah. yeah, he's very, he's very, he puts a, they put a lot of time into that farm. Well, and, I know, but I just thought it was a really good, even aside from that, whether it's for his farm or whatever, I just think, you know, one of the things I love about my current job and is that there is an amazing work-life balance. You know, I, I get to bring a lot of my my passion and love into my work, but I also don't, it doesn't stress me out when I'm not at work. Like, so if I'm with my children and we're hanging out or with my friends, I don't stress about work. And my boss said to me once, and this is an amazing thing for a boss to say, he said to me, you will only be, you will only be the, you'll be the only person responsible for being stressed out here. So there's no reason for me to bring work worries mm-hmm. home that I, it's all, everything is good and that he will always support me. And, and that's how he is with all of his staff. And, but I thought it was really great that Matt as a young person or young professional, like he is, his wife had this great little thing that they do. And it's funny because Matt and I actually have a lot of connections. Um, my parents were visiting last week from Myrtle beach and where I grew up was in St. Lawrence County, and my college cl- or my high school classmate was his wife's sister. So Matt Craig's wife Sarah. So a sister-in-law. 
Sarah and, and his, her sister Melanie was in my class in high school, and I only graduated with fifty kids. So wow. we were very, we were all friends. I played sports with Melanie, and it was just so funny. So I introduced my parents to Matt because I saw him walking down the street, you know, like by Hobies, and uh, it was just so funny. Like we're just like it's so it's so I kind of just think that it's really impressive for a person of his age that if, if he is twenty five, then that's yeah. great for him to say that. Yeah, no, he's he's. Uh... He's he's a good guy. We we get uh, God, I every Tuesday we get breakfast, and then I see him. Obviously, we talk during the week because of like work and stuff. But I see him then, and then we're very big in uh, Adirondack Young Professionals. He's the president of that. Oh yes. So we have a uh, a get together to I said like a I function that. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did or we it's once a month. So I see him there. I see him for breakfast. I I, I run into Matt quite often. What does I, a pop-up mean? What's pop-up event? Pop-up event basically means just show... So there's two things. Like Adirondack Young Professionals is a mixture of very uh, structured events, meaning there's a theme or, you know, it could be... We call speed networking. It's like speed dating, but you get like a minute with somebody. I've been to a few in the past. Yeah, and they have the economic forum. There's a few other ones. We've done trivia nights. We've done... Um, they, there's a bunch of different things like that. Then the pop-up events are a few times a year where it's just, hey, nothing formal. Stop by, meet the members. Basically, it's just, hey, we got an hour and a half to two hours, just network. Like, hang out, meet some friends, meet some people. Uh, the cool thing about the organization is that, if, like, say we go so tomorrow, I think it's at Hobie's. We bounce around. It could be Hobies, could be Sip, could be Valcor. Right. Um, it's usually just kind of a little after hour. I want to say after hours because it's it's the chamber, but it, it's it's very similar. And it's the idea that you can come together. And I've met some very good friends through that over the I last bet. two years. Um, and a lot of very. I mean, like I take Ryan, Ryan, Matt, Craig, and I'd say Meg Whedon are probably my three really good friend friends that I made from that. Meaning, like I've seen them quite often. Um, and there's other ones that I, I see. Fairly often, but it's it's nice, like you said, to have connections with people and have relationships where um, I've been able to, I mean, it could be go golfing, could be having lunch, could be, hey, I need a favor for work-wise exactly. or something. And a lot of yep. that stuff um, I can get done because I know these people very well. And But the pop-up event allows for the less structured, where if we go to like a speed networking or trivia, you don't get to mingle as much with people because you might be at a table with, say, say you take trivia, you might be at a table with like, for people that you just kind of mixed and joined on the same team, but you're not really like mingling with other people you want to meet at other tables. You might have an opportunity right before and right after, but yeah. you know, so this, it gives basically a very, um, it's like a very social, social very, hour. Yeah. Broad social. There's not really no rules go around, just meet people and expand your, your sphere of people and make connections. I'm very big at trying to get some of the younger people that are working here to come with me and kind of help them and introduce them to people. And, um, you so know what? It, May I interject? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to do it anyway. Anyway, so um, it's like, you know, I, 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 I remember, so this dates me a little bit. So maybe 10 years ago. So, you know, Carrie Mack. I, I know the name. I've met her once or twice in different functions, but I think she was one of the originals that started it. Yeah. So yep. she was really heavily involved. And then there was a couple others well, too. Mike, Michael Cashman, who was on, yes. who, was, who was actually a couple podcasts ago, he was the original president of the, of the group. The My inaugural. ex-husband was an officer in it too at one point, a long time ago when we were. So this must have, because I think it started in like 2007 or eight. Could be. I okay. can't remember. I think it's been about 10 to 12 years old. 
Chris Huckrow. It's, it's 12 years old because yes. this is the 12th forum. So it's 12 years old. Yeah. So the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, like people keep asking me to go to these things and I think yeah, that's really great. You know, I, I should, except for that. I, I just turned 40. I just turned 40. And I don't know. I feel like the name kind of insinuates that you have to be under 30 or so, 35 even. I just don't, I feel like anytime I've gone to them and I can't remember the last one I went to, I think I went because Ryan Lee had asked me to go. I can't remember exactly why. And, um, I just felt like old. I I would say Yes. The, so the I think I think no. Well, you, no, so you're, you're saying not, I was you're, old. You're not. You're not old at all. Um, actually, actually, I have a, I have a fr- we have a really good friend. Mini mini segue into and then into that. Um, she just turned. I think she turned forty last year. We had her fortieth birthday, so she's turning forty one. I think, and we always give her crap because she's like the oldest of our group of friends, but she's 40. We got my wife's 36. And so, I mean, she's not like super old, but I always give her crap because, and the other day she walked right into it. We were, because I always bug her about it. We were at, we're all hanging out on Saturday and somebody came in and said something about, um, being 29 because I haven't been 30 or Gina's like, yeah, finally you'll be 30. So she goes, now we can't make fun of you for being, or now you can't make fun of Crystal for being, in her 30s or something and i go well crystal's in her 40s so <laughs> so basically i just gave her like a shot and of course she like walked right in at the perfect time but she it's she's so such, she's such a good sport but yes yeah, so we always i always kind of bust her right now because she's in her 40s and i haven't hit my 30s yet but yeah we're, well, we're, 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 she's a very good friend honestly, of ours i don't know what i'm gonna do because same with um like paul Dina Vindicus, when he he turned 40 before i did we were broken at the city together so now every time it's his birthday i'm like what are you like 48 49 he's like no <laughs> Well, yeah, I actually just saw Paul last week, um, but I had coffee with him. But he, um, but the the 80KYP, I think the idea for the young professionals is because is there's a chamber. Mm. And I think the young professionals, and I've told everybody here, and I was, I didn't start going to about two years ago. So I'm still fairly new. Yeah. Um, within the organization, I'd say, I'd say you're still in the acceptable age bracket. Yeah, to keep yes, going. but but the the idea that the young professionals, I tell a lot of people, it's a very good stepping stone because it's one, it's usually less attended than the chamber events. The chamber events can be crazy. The other thing is when you have, um, I would say, the average age at a chamber event is probably early forties. If you take it all into, so I look at that as sometimes it could be intimidating. Like I. I have every every right. I've been in real estate almost 10 years. I've been in the professional community almost 10 years. I can go to a chamber event yep. and I feel that I can hang with anybody, and, but I haven't hit that point until recently. But I've also still in the back of my mind, I still have the young perspective of, I man, I remember that person when I was a kid or I remember that person. And not to say like, I mean, obviously now they're probably in their 50s or 60s, but it's the thought behind... I still get the thoughts in my head of I'm still this like little young kid. I, I'm not, but I, I have that perception in my yeah. head, and it's just something that it's always something you're gonna fight with until you get to the point where you're definitely the older one. And I've, I'm 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 slowly getting over that hump where I'm okay. But I find in like eighty the eighty KYP group, those younger people coming in because I have some people that are younger here and they they might be intimidating going to an event oh, and sure. even talking to somebody in their forties or fifties because like man I'm I'm twenty and I don't want to and I just feel very awkward. And I'm, and my thing is, it, it doesn't really matter. Like anybody going to the chamber just wants to mingle with people, oh, for and sure. it doesn't matter the age. And I've always told people, the newer ones coming in, 
I said, just meet people. I said, this is a very good stepping stone into networking, getting over your fear. It's easier, I would say, to talk to your peers a lot than it is to talk to somebody that's older because you just feel awkward. And all of a sudden, if you see another young person, like, well, I can relate to them a little bit. Now, typically, I've always heard like anything with like young or whatever is a lot of times under 40 is kind of like the stigma that it's like the 20s and 30s. But we always say, and I always tell people, it's it's totally young at heart. We've had... Uh, uh, He's a Rotarian too, Jack uh, Helfcott. Yeah. Um, Helf Helf Helfcott. Yeah. Helfcott. Okay. And we told him. He goes, "Yeah, Ryan wants me to go." I said, "Jack, Jack, it's young at heart." I said, "You're good. You can mm, definitely no, go." But that just I, makes you feel older. But but, but but then yeah. So Jack's like, ah, I don't know if I'll go. And but I think that the good thing is, I I find it's very much a lot of the people that go there go to chamber events. Like there's a very good mix of people, but yeah. they're younger. And I I try to go to the chamber events because for me. I like meeting more people and, yeah. and if I can meet whether they be the twenties or like I'm gonna be solid thirty I'm gonna be thirty in December and I'll be I'll be in thirty, I'll be in the club. Are you excited about turning thirty? I actually am. Yeah. Because my I look at my teenage years were fun, you had memories from high school. Besides the fact I wouldn't I someone put a good said this awesome the other day. I would only go back if I could take my my knowledge now and go back. I wouldn't want to go back. Oh, I know. Like if I could go back and I was, I knew what I knew now, and it was just crazy because I think in the last five years I've really grown up from about twenty five, which I heard is when your brain fully develops, which I I can vouch for this. I think because I got a lot smarter from twenty five to what I am now, but even my twenties, I look at my twenties and they were phenomenal. But a lot of like twenties, I took, and I have some young people that are slowly coming on here. I'm like. You're just finding yourself out in your 20s because 20s is a very hard decade. I know. It, because it's the decade where you don't know what you want to do. You're probably going to be the least financially set you're ever going to be in your life. And there's a lot of moving parts. You Are you going to end up locally? Are you going to move away? Are you going to be with this person? Are you going to find your spouse? Are you not going to find a spouse? Are you going to have your kids? Are you going to go to college? There's so, that's the one hard part about Adirondack Young Professionals is there's a lot of people. There's a lot of turnover because people go in and out. They go to different jobs. They move away. Their situation changes. Because they're young and they can do that, yeah. It, yeah, so the, 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 they're able to change. They're more adapt. I say adaptable. They're more, I forgot what the term is, but subject to change. Yeah. The, um, they can flip-flop easily. And I'm very much uh, like an anomaly in the sense that I found out my career at the age of 20, 21. I didn't know it at the time, but I got into real estate very young and I've just fallen in love with it and kept it going that doesn't always happen for people. So when I look at it, I get through my 20s, which I've had a great 20s, like and I got married, I've had two kids, like I I you know, we bought our house that we're probably going to live in for, you know, for a decent You're happy with that decade. Yeah, like I'm very happy where it started. I'm happy where, you know, I'm happy where it ended. I've met a lot of great people and and I've talked about this a lot business-wise and as a snowball effect, meaning when I first started, I would talk about rolling a snowflake, meaning you just, you don't know anybody, you're trying to get one client and then you're slowly trying to get one client to one deal. Now it's to the point where I wish I had 50 hours in the day to take care of everything. you got all sorts of snowballs. And well now, well now it's not even, no, it's I've rolled one snowflake into this big snowball, but it compoundly gets bigger yeah. because there's more surface area that's collecting. I look at that as my that's 20, exciting. my 20s have gotten good. So yeah, that's my thing is how now from 20 to or from 30 to 40, what's my compound going to be? Because I built up this good base in my 20s. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to even more of a payoff in the sense of, I mean, and it's obviously like you know, work and finances, but like, you know, 
my kids getting older and being able to hang out with them, my friendships, my, you know, anything you can think of going, like, I'm so pumped for my 30s. Yeah. Like, I'm not looking at it like, oh my God, I'm 30s. I'm, yeah. I'm almost excited to be like, I'm actually in my 30s now. Like, I feel like I'm like a full adult now. And Well, it's true because you think, do you ever think about like the conversations you have with 20 year olds? So I try not to do this because I will never be the most mature person. I always feel like I'm going to be a child at heart, but I'm psyched to be 40. I, I don't know. It's something about being a woman and it's, it's like when I, the closer you get to being 40, the more you just stop giving it, yeah, giving a fuck. You can Thank say you. it. Thank you. I can't say it. There's a big E. There's a big. There's big E explicit on all the podcasts because every once in a while, one will slip out, and, and actually, I've had some that have. There's been a lot of them in an episode. So we're good. We've only hit one, and it's been <clears throat> 46 minutes. Okay, perfect. So you're fine. You can say it. You just stop giving a fuck about what everybody else thinks about you, mm-hmm. and I've already been getting closer to that. But really, what I I see myself trying to do is with these younger people that I'll come across is not saying, oh, you're so young. You have no idea. You're like, you know, because you feel like, like I have a, I've had an intern that was wonderful and she likes to talk about like her boyfriend and she's like 20, she was like 23 and she's like talking about her boy, her boyfriend and like the relationship stuff and how he's like kind of like treating her bad and blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't know what she wants to do. She thinks she wants to move with him and go take this job after she gets out of college and blah, blah, blah. And I just, and it's so hard to not say, don't do it, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to let every person go their path, you know, skin their I, knee and yeah, yeah, skin their knee, whatever. And, but as a 40 year old now, and I have my kids and, you know, I went through a divorce. It's been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in my job. I, I have the most amazing friends and yeah, because you just had your you just had your birthday just last. But I saw week. some photos. You had last some party. You had a party Oof, and everything else. Yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One of my friends broke her foot. <laughs> That's a great party. It yep. went hard. Yeah. That's when you know you got good friends. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yep, great, good. That was a good party. No, I just feel like this like amazing amount of joy being in a city I love in a career that I couldn't even imagine ever having the opportunity to have and the friend system and the children and all this stuff. And you just kind of settle. And so like, you'll do that. I would say when you're going in through your thirties, you know, you've got your young family and this booming business, but it's all so rewarding and it's all how you take every single day. Oh, hundred percent. And, and I kind of went through the same, like I have some, I have a couple, I would say, God, Ellie's a little older. Ellie is, I think, twenty five or twenty six, which is still young. But Ellie's—I don't know if you've ever met her, but she's she's a fairly mature twenty five year old. Um, I have a few other young people that work with me, and all great. I think there's probably three of them that are twenty two and younger, and the same thing. So I'm always like uh, one of the one of the kids. He was with me today, and you know, a lot of it's having a conversation. I try to paint it in the light. Same thing. I'm not super old. It's not like I've, we're, I, I'm not like looking down You're not at them. Old. Like I, well, <laughs> no, it, it, but I look at it like I think I've accumulated enough in the oh, last sure. ten years to give advice to a twenty. And it's not like old parenting advice, but it's a lot of like realistic advice. And I think they can. And the funny thing is. Or the cool thing is, it's just not really funny, but it's cool, is that, that a lot of the people that are younger that have come to the work here or are aspiring to work here came to me first. And I find that that's, that's fun in the sense that they're now looking at me as someone relatable because they see me a lot and they see what I'm doing. But 
I also take the responsibility as trying to lay a framework for them to succeed. And a lot of it has to do with just the conversations. And I try with them is to give them advice that I would have wanted to hear at 20, not to say, I told you so, or do this or do that. It's just like, you know, Hey, these are a lot of it is you have time. Like, don't get stressed that you don't have it figured out. You're 21, 22, 23, or, um, you know, Hannah's case, 19. And it's like, you guys have plenty of time. Like you don't, you, you don't know what college is going to bring. You don't know what your girlfriend or boyfriend's going to be like. You don't know, like all of these things. I said, just live, live life, meet people. That's I always tell great. people, I said, meet people, enjoy it. Don't stress about it. Cause I said, you're going to be in a, I said, even if you go into a job you hate for five years, you're going to find out in a few years you hate it. You're 23. Okay, switch jobs. You're yeah. good. You're probably going to switch flip flop. That's great that you have that influence, though. And well, and and I find that they're very receptive to I'm that. Sure. And I, which is fun. It's kind of fun to be. This is why I kind of like being on the opposite end of like a men. Like I now I'm gotten to the age where I can mentor people, um, and it's fun that I can hopefully put a positive spin. And I try again not to do. You know, I don't. I never tell them do this, do that. I'm always like, hey, like don't stress about it. You have time. I'm, I'm 29. Round up, we'll round up to 30. If I was to quit real estate today and start something brand new, brand new industry tomorrow, I'm still young. Like I have, if I really wanted to, I could do 30 years in a totally another job, have a good baseline of connections in my 20s and friends in my 20s, and then move on and do something great in my next decade of whatever. Um, well, hey. I, li- I work at a nursing home, so I, I have done these stories about some of our residents they are 85, 90 years old, and they're living their life, and, it's, and they're happy they've had the full, the full, think about this, and people don't, and I was just having this conversation with my, at my last meeting. You don't think about aging. You don't, because you don't want to. You know, mm-hmm. aging is something that you kind of avoid. So even with your parents, you don't want to think about them getting old. You don't want to yeah. think about your grandparents getting old and dying. Mm-hmm. So when I have these, like, I write these stories about some of our residents that have been through 90 years of life. And you're talking some major historical moments. I mean, just like from a, like ups major. and downs and wars and depressions and everything else. Losing love. I mean, there was a woman I interviewed that I did a story about that lost one of her children. Mm. Not a war, but like she did that. Yeah. You know? I couldn't imagine that. Well, and, and yeah. so you, but you think about it and like, so turning 40, I'm like, awesome. I've got more than half my life left to live, hopefully. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to have all these experiences. And you know who is my best? Like, so, in, so I, as I'm single and I date, you know, the people that give me the best advice are, I have this woman, uh, Verda, that lives at the nursing home. And she is like my best friend. <laughs> She's one of my best friends. And I tell her about all these dates. And she just like tells, she takes it so lightly, like nothing is serious. So I was like heartbroken one day because of this dude who was a total weirdo. And she laughed when I told her I had tears in my eyes and she's like she's like Sandy that is so small potatoes and I'm like she's so right it's so it's so it's well it's kind of like you're the 20 year old getting the 40 year old advice it's awesome it's amazing but I always try to say this to people because we're sitting here I'm turning 40 and you're turning 30 and you know you're whoever your your wife's gonna turn 40 and maybe something bad happened at work one day and, or maybe your kids hate you or something when they're teenagers, but it's all this like continuum of life. And like, 
It's a wonderful, amazing thing. So you look at from 20 to from one until 90 years old and you just never know what can happen. I I think a lot of it too, like the funny thing is as you get older and I've, I've, and again, I'm only talking from a 29 perspective, but I can see how the lady if she's in her sixties or seventies is laughing at you or eighties, whatever she is, 85 is that I can, it's perspective and it is. I always look at like to put it in perspective, a half hour before you got here, we had this, we're still in the process of it and it's a very bad shit's hitting the fan kind of thing and it's not fun. But at the end of the day, I got to put it in perspective of, you know, basically, you know, what can I, what can I do in the situation? Meaning the past is the past. Things happen. How can we, you know, can't change it. So how can we now go forward? I've been working on this quite a bit today. It's taken up a lot of time, having got to a lot of stuff, but it, this long story, but then I put it in perspective as at the end of the day, nobody's dying, nobody's getting injured. You got to just look at it in the grand scheme of things. After this, I'm going to look at my phone real quick, do some stuff, and then I'm heading home and I'm going to yeah. hang out with the kids tonight. I can, I'll do some stuff tonight and I'll probably tackle more of it tomorrow, but I put it in perspective in the grand, the grand day. That is a negative today, but if I take my whole day as a whole, I've had a really good day. It's yeah. a little small, but I'm trying, I always try to focus. I'm a very positive person, so I try to focus on the positive. And for you, the same thing, like that, you know, one date goes bad, or you tell the 20 year old about the, or the 23 year old intern, now she's like, oh, I don't know if I want to move with this guy, blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny to see, because that old lady's obviously got 85 years of perspective, meaning, ah, you're 85, you won't even. My mom used to tell me, it, <laughs> it won't hurt when you get, or, uh, yeah, it won't hurt when you get married, meaning if you stub a toe or something, I won't hurt when you get married. I'm like, that's such a stupid thing she but she my sisters if they ever hear this be laughing too because she would say she would say that and it's true basically meaning don't worry about it it's not gonna matter it's like not. it's hard i get it though like i have bad days you know yeah. don't get me wrong but one of the things i always say is so you know i run a lot and running is my church so it allows me yeah, I've to see, and you're very consistent because i see you a lot when i'm yeah. driving yeah so i always want to just honk the horn and wave i'm like she's in the zone just gonna let her run and i am but you can't i'll wave um <laughs> but like i think about it and another one of my friends and i were just talking about this is every day i wake up and i'll throw my running shoes and i'll run and, and it's right in one spot for whatever reason when i'm running down right down through downtown and i'll think i don't know what's gonna happen today anything can happen today. Mm-hmm. I won't know until I lay my head down on my pillow what has transpired. And as long as I can be productive and thinking everything is going to turn out okay, so even if something bad happens or somebody says something ill will or something at work doesn't happen or my kids are driving me crazy or whatever, I don't know. It could be even small. Mm-hmm. I eat bad one day. Mm-hmm. You just like if I can lay my head on the pillow and wake up the next day, and every day say, it's a new day, and anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's an amazing gift that we have to live. I think it's liberating. when you Because my that's my thing with, I. there's a few things. I always look for positive stuff, which 99% of the time I'm fairly positive and, and always look at the glass half full kind of thing. The other thing is I don't care what anybody says. I'm very... I got a lot of thick skin. I, I just, I'm not, luckily, and this is, I know not everybody has this. I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm not very self-conscious. I'm not very, um, I really don't care what other people say. I mean, people could say anything about me as long as, I mean, to be honest, the only opinions I really care about is 
my wife and my kids. Like, I mean, it, and I love my parents and, and sisters and, you know, but it could be them. It could be my in-laws. It could be anything. Like, even that close of a sphere to me doesn't really affect me. It really comes down to, you know, is Gina good and the kids are good? Now, the kids are too young to give their opinion, but it's the idea that... But they love you and you know they love you. Yeah, and, and so on that that's really all that matters. So if somebody says, well, you should be doing this or that was stupid or bad, and it's like, I don't care. Like, I'm living my life. I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to be good. My my I used to go to church when I was a kid. I kind of phased out of church when I was about 20 <laughs> just for the fact that, that. I, I, I always just went because my parents, I was, exactly. I was a kid. I just went because my parents went yep. and I really had no choice. You're going to church and yep. I never got any, I, I was one, I would sit in the, the pews. I would listen to the homilies and the readings and I would take nothing in. Yeah, it yeah. didn't affect me. It didn't, I didn't get any like cl- uh, clear, clear sight or whatever with it. My only thing I really is be a good person and I always like golden rule. If you can live by the golden rule, meaning treat others the way you want to be treated, I'm good. And that's what I try to do. I try to be nice. I try to look for the best. I try to help people out. I find if I can kind of live by that like moral compass, then I'm good. And a lot of stuff, again, what you said, if I can, my dad told me this, if you can go to bed every single night knowing that you did the right thing or did everything you could, you're good. You don't have to worry about stuff. Like, like this deal could be one that in my head I'm replaying, but it's like at the end of the day, I'm doing everything I can in my control to, to make the situation better. Yes, do I have to rely on other people? I do, but I can't, I physically can't control them. So if I do my thing, then I'm good and I'll wake up tomorrow. I'll be fine. Yeah, I got to tackle it. But at the end of the day, a month from now, I won't even worry about it. Like it would just be, you know, at that point kind of washed away and I'm on to, so I always put it in perspective. It's not really in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be a big deal. So, um, I think that's one thing when you said it's just real, it's, very liberating to wake up every day and just be like, I'm good. Like, well, I, and I'm going to tell you one more thing and then I have to go to cook dinner for my children, but I'm going to tell you it because it's, and it really sings well with, or goes well with what you just said is that. So when I left, I left my job at the city. I, and as in my roles in my life, in my professional career, they are not big money making positions, right? So events and marketing are just generally in this area underpaid. And so when I left the city, I took a position working for a great, a good employer, but the position changed very drastically and I was bored and I stayed there for three months and it was like torture, right? And so I went in one day to work and I said, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. I can't, this is awful. I'm going to, I want to die. And I, um, went into my, um, supervisor and I said, I'm not the right girl for this job. And I left there without having another job. And a friend of mine that I knew through Rotary gave me a position just until I found something different and something better. And so I worked there, but I was underpaid. I was back, basically back down to right when I was after college and I worked for Planned Parenthood. I was underpaid. I was like, and I'm a single mom with two kids. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where I was so low that I had to move in with a friend of mine with my children and I couldn't even afford to pay $6 to go get dessert at Rotary. So I had to like get out of Rotary for a short time and it was humiliating. I couldn't afford any. My parents had to give me all sorts of money. And I was at my real lowest point. And one day, a fellow, a, call, uh, a guy I know in Rotary, you know John Bernardi? I don't. I know that I've heard the name, but I don't know him. He's United Way. That's why I'm volunteering for United Way because he changed my life. He came into my office where I was working and up this job that was just a filler. And he says, you should, you should apply for this job. 
at Meadowbrook, tell him that John Bernardi sent you. So I applied for the job, and the next day, the CEO, um, Paul Richards of Meadowbrook, called me and said, can you come in? It'll be informal. I just want to talk to you. And when I got there, he pulls me back, and he says, I actually already know all about you. I already talked to John already. I saw, I sent him clips and videos and work I'd done, and he said, I already knew I was going to hire you, and I want to, um, so this is my lowest point, lowest, lowest. He's like, I already knew I was going to hire you, and... Um, so I just wanted to make sure that the, that the chemistry was good. And I was like, oh my God, that's so wonderful. But I had no idea. And so then what he tells me over the next five minutes was basically that my life was going to be okay. Like I was going to be able to do all the things I ever wanted to do for my children. I was going to have job security and I was going to have freedom of creativity. And so I remember leaving, <laughs> almost hugged him, which would have been awful. Um, but I left, I left Meadowbrook after he told me that and I got in the car and I called my mom and my mom had, dad had been worrying about me forever. And I told him everything. And I told him that everything was going to be all right. And my mom and I sat on the phone and just cried and cried and cried. And I thought, and then, and so every time something bad happens or something I think is going to make me sad or, you know, I, my kids are having a hard time at school or I get dumped or my, my friend's mad at me or whatever. I'm like, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. because it's all okay and mm -hmm. we all have these little cycles so even if you have a low in your life it's gonna have an up too so I just I don't know it's hard for me to ever not feel doubtful and that even though I don't really believe in God I hope that's okay to say is that I believe in something and there's better good for all of us mm -hmm. you know and, and that as long as we're good people like I think you are that you're gonna be okay yeah yeah, I, th I think if you uh, no, that was, I, that was, I didn't know all that. That it's a very so it's personal a, thing. I'm yeah. sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable. No, I told it to Ryan Lee and, and and Matt Craig too, and like I, he was like, wow, you know, like. But you know what Ryan said? Ryan Lee said, you don't know who you're sitting across from anywhere that's mm -hmm. not having like the worst day of their life. Well, that that's that's one of the things I always, I'm very very. I again, I, this is like there's certain things that I. I don't, I can't explain, but I'm one thing I've always been lucky enough to have is I'm very, um, I can, I give people benefit of the doubt, meaning in, in, in my business, emotions can run high in certain things because you're dealing with people's homes and stuff, but I always give them the benefit of the doubt is, okay, maybe they said something snarky or something like this, or they did this. Well, maybe they're just, maybe they're not mad at me. Maybe they're mad at so-and-so and, and Anything or, that happened or, the day before. Yeah, maybe the car got hit on the way in and they're stressed out about having to pay. I mean, there could be a multitude of things. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt that they're a good person, that it's just a small thing. Like, don't don't feed into it. Don't get, don't snip or uh, snap back at them. Like, just be like, all right, have a great day. You know, wh whatever it could be. And I think, like you said, if, um, I think if you give people the benefit of the doubt, knowing that all I can at the end of the day, all it controls my actions. But if I can be positive, that's it. And I've had people. It could be even going to the grocery or grocery store or checkout line. Every there's one place I go to, and I always ask people, I'm like, "Hey, or uh, how you doing this morning?" And it's always, "Well, better if I wasn't here." And I go, "Well, well I said at least it's sunny, or at least your winter shift in." <laughs> I try to like find the positive in. I like, no offense, I I wouldn't want to do what I mean. Like I would go crazy like doing that. But at the end of the day, it's like you got to make the best of what you're doing and. Um, no, I think that's, I think that's good. That's the correct mindset. I think if you can stay, it's tough. I mean, obviously not everybody can do it and there's people that have 
trouble um, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think, like you said, if you get a support system of people or you just live in a position where um, you're not, you know, expecting everything to be perfect and you know that there's going to be speed bumps and and curves and and challenges along the way. Um, But I think... Make you stronger. Yeah, 100%. Um, How much time do you have left? I want to be respectful of your time. Oh, I mean, I probably should get home to feed my children. How long have we been doing this? An hour and six minutes. So probably I should probably go. Okay. They're wait, they're hungry. You're, you're no, you're fine. You're <laughs> fine. I got to probably do the same with. That's oh, not too bad. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll we'll cut it here. Unless you have other questions for me. I do, but I want I want your kids' um, stomachs are more important. How about one more question? One more question. Um, th- this one will actually wrap up everything really good because I think we'll talk about because you did you actually went over a lot of good stuff. What is a day in the life of Sandy? <laughs> Meaning you, you get up, like what's a normal, you can do a weekday, like give me a weekday and then maybe anything different on like weekends. Well, always, I'm very, I actually have a very rigid uh, morning routine. I run and I come back, I shower um, and my kids, if they're at school, they go to school, blah, blah. but sometimes I don't have my kids because- How, how old are your kids? They're t- 13 and 10. Okay. But I always make sure I have those essentials and I really like um, my coffee in the morning and all that stuff, whatever. And then I usually try to get to work during the summer. I try to get there really early because I don't have to do school shuffle. Um, but I really focus at work. I really try very hard to focus, but I also try to really much, uh, my boss says he likes me out of the building like t- at least 30 to 40% of the time because I should just be Miss Meadowbrook. Um, so I really focus on doing the very best job I can at work because like I said, it's just such a gift. But I have a really, I, must, I, I have a lot of friends. I have very close girlfriends. I have a running club. Um, so typically I'll, at least once a week, I do, um, a run with a friend of mine, Kirsten. Um, I do enjoy, um, if I don't have my kids, you'll often find me enjoying dinner out and drinks with my, one of my, or two or three of my girlfriends. Um, I always make sure every single day I connect with, um, three of my girlfriends because they're like my local family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I'm usually, um, in like watching some stupid Netflix and then in bed by nine 30. That's good. And so yeah. and when you say you, you're out of the office for 30 to 40% of the day, like what's that? Like this would be part of out of the office, uh, but like, are you rotary? Are you going to businesses? Are you going to, lunches or like events yeah i do a lot of that i do anything that will um so i work and sometimes it's funny like my my one of my very best friends it works at meadowbrook with me she's actually the office administrator and i think it drives her crazy sometimes because i'm always flitting out and doing all the fun things and i and she's like oh it's not fair i'm always tied to that desk and blah 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 and i'm like yeah but i'm always working like so I'm working now. Like how many times have I said how much I love my employer? Mm-hmm. I mean, I work, if you, you can ask me anytime I'm out with my friends, any of my friends will say, oh my God, she won't shut up about that place. But that's because my boss is a super genius and he treats me very well, every which way you can possibly think of. And he wants me to be super happy. And so I am super happy because he has made it that way. And, um, so I can't help but talk about Meadowbrook. In fact, 
I said to him, I want a shirt with Meadowbrook's logo on it so that I can wear it everywhere I go. So if you're going to be at the Rotary Golf Tournament, which you probably won't be because you're, maybe you are going to be on the I go- played in it last year. Well, it's coming soon. Well, you'll see my Meadowbrook shirt because I'm going to volunteer. Uh, maybe I'm not in it this year. I'll, I'll check with. Ryan. What When is it? I can't remember. I was on, I played with Matt, Ryan, and no, Jared, it wasn't with Jared, Meg. Matt, Ryan, and Meg. So like my three buddies from ADK, we played oh, last year. Oh, okay. And the Rotary one. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's coming. Ask Ryan. Um, so yeah, no, I get out to do all that stuff, but I am, like I said, uh, United Way. I'm in Rotary. I'm in the CCC Foundation and I volunteer for their golf tournaments. And oh, um, you have the United Way golf tournament, a YMCA. I do a lot of different things with them. And whenever I can, I just like to be everywhere all the time. But you know, I think that's really because previously in my life, I didn't get to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so now I just kind of like to do all the things. Yeah. So of- my day, I can't even tell you my regular day because like I said, every day I have no idea what could happen. Yeah. And so I'm very similar. I mean, I have, I have structure. Like I know where I'm going, but like I don't know what my calendar is really going to look like until I start setting it up and laying, like laying out the appointments. Um, but I, I did a career fair and the kids there and I always I always talk to them and I say, this is what my what's cool about my job. I said, you guys go to school every day, right? And like, yeah. And I said, well, what's more fun? Going to school every day or going on a field trip? And of course, a field trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, basically, that's my life. So, I mean, I, obviously, I, I do a structure and I do kind of have a routine and I do come here every day, but... Um, but you're kind of like your own boss, right? I am my own boss. You are your own yeah. boss. So you can really determine like how you're going to do everything and whatever happened today with this deal that was causing you stress, like you know you're gonna you're gonna kick it in its ass. You're gonna totally take we'll care figure of it. Out. Yeah, yeah, you we'll, will. We'll, you we'll know, today's out. a bad today's a bad bad day for it. But like, the only thing you have to do or not do, I'm sorry, the only thing you shouldn't do is go home and not allow it to let you go to sleep. No, and I'll be fine. Like literally, I will leave. I'll probably make a call. Probably be a bad phone call. It is what it is. Get home. Hang out with the kids. Bought a new grill yesterday. Maybe we'll grill tonight. I'm excited again. I bought a new grill last weekend. Did Put you? it together myself. I didn't. I took I t- The guy goes, uh, well, they one, they couldn't find it in the box. There was there was supposed to be three. There was two already assembled on display. And then one of the guys like, you, you just grab one of the display ones. So, you know you just said you've saved yourself five minimum hours of your life. Well, that's what he that. said. And he goes, oh. there's no way if you get it, you're assembling it and cooking tonight. And I really wanted to cook tonight. So I'm like, screw it. Buddy came up the truck. We put it on the back of the truck. Brought it home. Put the put the propane all right, on. All right. So, <laughs> but but no, you you outdid me on that so uh, for sure. No, I didn't. I lost on that. My dad's like, "You're an idiot." It's <laughs> like, why yeah. you just buy an assembled one? I'm like, I don't know. It's yeah, pretty, pretty it on awesome. the box. So, um, last thing I want to leave with, and is what's your favorite quote? Oh, I'm stealing this one, and I'm glad I know. I'm gonna. I hope I don't butcher it, but um, it's actually one. So when I was working for the city and I was going through a hard time in my personal life, um, I came into work, and Paul Dominicus, who, as you are good friends with him, you know he is the quote guy. Like he Qu- loves quote gu- yeah. He loves all the quotes. Quote Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> he's quote Buddha. <laughs> and it's by Neil Gavain, and I don't know if I said that name right, but it it's basically says if you don't oh man okay I want to get it right I want to get it right if you don't try I think I know which one you're, he just posted this he again just the other posted day. he posted it on my birthday and I always like to think in my head that he did that for my because that was I have that on my bulletin board even now I took the same paper that he gave me at the city because it meant something as if you 
don't try then at the end of the day you'll 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 um shoot hold on you're gonna read the the, i got it okay because i was gonna say i was gonna get my version but i want to make sure it's it's a very good quote because i always send him these podcasts that i'm on to listen to and if i get this wrong he's gonna be like jesus how many times do i have to send that to her hi paul Hi, Paul. And he's, he, I always talk about him because he was a really important, he's an uh, amazing boss. We're, and we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to coordinate a barbecue. And now that, hey, Paul, I got a grill. Well, Gina should be in touch. <laughs> okay, I got to gotta show you. I guess I want to go. Okay, here we go. All right? Here you go, Paul. It's Neil Gaiman. 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 Neil Gaiman. If you dare nothing, then when the day is over, nothing is all you will have gained. It's... I like it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect about every single day that you ever live. That's, that's So great. that's my favorite quote, and it means a lot to me on a lot of different levels, and I think about it often, even though I didn't remember it. <laughs> you you got to do, I, I have the office photo down there, but you got to do quote, that guy quote, and then quote that as Paul Dominicus. Quote it. So if you, see, if you see over there, I'll show it to you after, but it says, it, it's from the, you watch The Office? Yeah. Okay, I'll show you, the, you'll know the poster as soon as I show it to you, but... Uh. But you quote it, but you quote oh. the guy saying the quote. Well, what's the quote, Paul, though? What's the quote? quote is, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, quote Michael Scott. <laughs> yes, so you, you got to do that with quote Paul D. Dominicus. So, oh, okay. um, so cool. So one there, um, everybody's got to eat. So um, Sandy, thank you for coming oh, on. Oh, thank you so much fun. for having me. Keep, keep as, as I'm a very, like I said, I, I like positivity. I had Christy on uh, my last episode. I like people that are, are, I say, are moving the needle forward for our area. I'm super big on that. Like I said, I had uh, Cash Money Cashman on, Mike Cashman. I had <laughs> Christy. I, had, yeah, 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 I good, like Mike Cashman. Great, He's great good guy. Dude. Um, San, or San, oh, I'm reading. You, Sandy. Um, so all these people that I find that are just doing good, doing a lot of positive for our area and moving. Again, we're all, like, I, feel, I find that all these positive people that are in our area, we're all, like, in one we're like one boat and we're all rowing towards our North star of, of improving this place. And I think that you are one of those people. Thank um, you. and it, it's, it, it's exciting. So I, I, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, you're the kind of people I like to talk to positivity. So. Oh, thank you so much. And, and agreed. You're as, as positive as can be. And as I, as you know, I would never have even reached out to you unless I hadn't heard wonderful things. Awesome. So, um, okay. So that's it. So that is episode 42. Sandy, thank you for coming on and we are going out to eat. All right. Awesome. Later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.